And we do want to say happy Mother's Day to all, and we're glad you're worshiping with us today. And as always, we're reminded uh, that Mother's Day means a lot of things to a lot of people. And uh, so we're just so glad that you are here worshiping with us today, honoring the Lord and honoring moms as well. As we continue our sermon series called I'm In, what we're talking about in this series is what does it really mean to live life to the fullest, to experience life on this earth the way that Jesus Christ wants us to experience it. And one of the things that comes to mind for me as we look at this, we've been talking over the past few weeks about some pretty simple truths. Um, Sometimes it seems like the things that God's leading us to do really don't seem all that complicated, but for some reason we struggle with them. And, and I had some thoughts about maybe why we struggle with them. I think it has to do with sometimes we think our life is so complicated that we need a complicated answer to the complicated questions that we bring, but sometimes it's the simplest things that work. I'm reminded of a story in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, there's a man named Naaman, and Naaman had a skin disease. But Naaman heard about the man of God who was in Israel and he, he heard that this man of God could help him and cure him from this skin disease. And so he put all his people together. He gathered a lot of money. He gathered a lot of things. And he took this very long journey to come to the man of God and ask him if he could heal Naaman of his skin disease. And when he showed up, the man of God said, well, here's what you need to do. I need you to go down to the Jordan River and just dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and then you'll be cleansed. And in the story, it tells us that Naaman got very angry and he started complaining and he started saying things like, why did I come all this way for just this guy to tell me to go dip in the river? I got rivers at home. I could go dip in better water. At home's probably cleaner where I live. Why in the world did he ask me to do this? This just seems ridiculous that I would come all this way, offer all these things and all he does is tell me to go dip in the river. And the story tells us that one of Naaman's servants came up to him and he said, sir, can I just point something out to you? Had the man of God told you to do something that was extremely difficult or costly, wouldn't you have just done that thing without even thinking about it? But here he is and he's told you to do this very simple act and yet you're angry with him. And it says in the story that Naaman took the advice of his servant, he went down to the river, he dipped himself seven times and he was cleansed of his skin disease and then He went back to his land. And it reminded me of oftentimes how we deal with life. We we have complications in life and we feel like that life is coming at us in so many different ways and from so many different angles. And it seems so incredibly complex and difficult and complicated at times that sometimes I confess, even as a pastor, the simple truths of the word of God sometimes seem exactly that way, just too simple. How in the world can I just do these things and then God's actually going to lead my life to be in a much better place, a a place that I can't even imagine. And we saw this beautiful picture up here today of families gathered with children and more than just families. You had families and you had church families and you had a small picture of what it takes to get through this life and that is that God's designed us to be together and never to walk alone. We're not alone in this life. 
And God desires that we would live this life and experience it to the fullest. And that's the reason he sent Jesus Christ, so that Jesus Christ's death, burial, and his resurrection demonstrated the power that God has over sin and death. And when we put our faith and our trust in him and walk as he leads us to, then we too can live with power over sin and death and experience life to the fullest on this earth. And we've talked about some of these very simple truths then of what it means once you've given your life to Christ, you kind of have a now what? Now what do I do? Well, what we've been teaching is this. I'll catch you all up. We've been teaching that once you have Christ in your life, then you're called to be a light to this world. And we've been using an acrostic for the word light to talk about some of the simple truths of what it means to be a light. The first one is this, that I will live out what the Bible says. It seems kind of simple, but that's what it means is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to take the word of God and I'm not just gonna read it for knowledge, I'm gonna read it for instruction and for application. And when I come across the things in the word of God that teach me that I'm living in a different way, then I'm gonna understand that God designed me to live in his word to experience life at its fullest. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm settling for something less than what God desires for me. And then the second thing we talked about was once I'm living out or as I'm living out what the Bible says, if I'm also gonna be a light, then I'm gonna invite others on this journey of faith. If, if God's done something in my life, then I wanna tell other people what he's done. And it's not just that God commanded us to do that, which he did. It's not just that God has called each one of us to, to share our story, so that's just what we're supposed to do, which he did. We understand it in this context, that if we want to experience life at its fullest and life at its best the way that God intended for it to be, <clears throat> then I'm living in such a way where I'm inviting others on this journey of faith. And as I do that, I experience life to its fullest. And the next thing is today's, what we're going to talk about, and this is pretty simple. It's get in a group. What do you mean, Pastor, get in a group? Well, listen, surround yourself with a group of believers who are striving to live out what the Bible says and be around them so that you can do life together because God never intended for us to be alone. Welcome to Mother's Day. God never intended for us to be alone. God's given us families, he's given us people, he's given us church families. He desires that we would be with people and not alone. And I know you're thinking, gosh, this, okay, you're right. These just seem so simple. Why is it that we struggle with them? Well, our Explorers group this week, our Explorers Bible study, uh, one of the things that we do is we, we gather together at first and we sing, you see these books in front of you, they're called hymnals, okay? Anybody? Say hymnal, hymnal, okay? We used to use them all the time in the church when I was growing up. Another thing that happened all the time in the church when I was growing up, when you had this hymnal and you opened it, we would sing the first, second, and the last stanza. Anybody ever do that? If I was a writer, I don't even know why I wrote the third stanza, because we never sang it in the Baptist church. But I want you to take this out if you've got one in front of you. You're going to have to share, because I know we don't have enough for everybody. I want you to turn to page 500 page 500 in this hymnal, and I wanna do something with this hymnal. I'm not going to sing, you got enough of that last week, so we're gonna look at something though on page 500. And it encompasses this idea 
of what I'm saying. And just so that you know that I'm not the first person that thought of this, I want to prove to you that the person who wrote this song years ago had the same idea in mind. Look at page 500. It's a hymn called Trust and Obey. I want to read to you the words that are written here. The first verse says this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his goodwill. He abides with us still and with all who will, what's those words? Trust and obey. Now, I'm going to skip to verse 3 for the sake of time today. Look at verse 3. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for all who will trust and obey. Now, those words demonstrate exactly what I've been saying. We have the simple, you can put those up now, or you can start singing spontaneously, whichever you would rather do. We have these words, and I've been sharing these simple truths, and it's like I said, somehow it seems like this is just kind of too simple to work, but when you saw the words in that hymn, there was a very clear clue to that, is that when you come to the place that you are all in, that you lay it all on the altar and that you simply begin to trust God and obey him and take him at his word, that's when life in Christ is revealed. If you're trying to find out what it means to be a Christian or figure this thing out or, or come at it scientifically or maybe just kind of put your foot in the water and try it out for a little bit, I can't tell you how many people I, that I've had this conversation, well, I, I went to church, it didn't do anything for me. <laughs> okay. What does that mean even? Did you try it? Did you go all in? It, there's a simple truth about the Christian life. It doesn't work unless you're all in. It doesn't work unless you're all in. And so... That's the whole context of this sermon series is to, to get people to declare, I'm in. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to live out what the Bible says. I'm going to invite others on the journey of faith, and I'm going to get in a group. Now, we've been talking about the reason we call it all in is we've picked some words that begin with in to help us remember this. The first week, we talked about the fact that if we're going to live out what the Bible says, that means we're going to have to be intentional about that. We have to be intentional. It's on our funny little graphic there that we can put up. Intentional. I'm not just going to accidentally get up one day and start living out the Word of God. It's something that you have to work on. It's something that you have to put into your mind and you have to determine in your heart that I'm going to live this out. And then the next thing, inviting others on the journey of faith, it's pretty simple, is that we're going to be a person who's inviting. You're just going to invite people along. It's a simple thing, but I don't know why it's so difficult. And I've even shared this. When we look at this in the context, as I said, that God has invited us to do these things so that we experience life at its fullest. What breaks my heart is that I know hundreds of people who are followers of Christ who've never once shared their testimony with anyone else. And I think it's very sad that we live in a culture that allows people to think that they're somehow growing deep in their faith with Christ and yet they've never shared it with anyone else. That is absolutely found nowhere in Scripture. If you want to experience life at its fullest, you're bringing others along the journey of faith. You're inviting. 
And then this one, getting in a group, means that you're involved. You're involved. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. Right up front, relationships are messy. Say that with me. Relationships are messy. Amen? They just are. They bring all sorts of complications because they involve people. And in this world, they involve broken people. And so when we say that I'm going to get in a group and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to do life together with other people, for some of us, we say, no, thanks. I'll just kind of keep things over here to myself. But the truth is God has wired us, designed us, and called us to be in relationship with one another. And when we choose to stay away from that, we're missing out on the glorious goodness of God in our lives, helping us experience life to its fullest. Now I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. I want you to see what the writer of Hebrews is doing here. First of all, in verse 19, he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, pause. What he means is because of what Jesus Christ has done, we no longer have to go to the priest. We can go directly to the throne of God. And the writer is saying, because, listen to me, the writer is saying, because we can go to God on our own, keep that in your mind. Verse 20, he says, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I stopped at the first to point this out. The writer of Hebrews says, because of Jesus Christ and our ability to go to him now directly is the reason that we should not neglect gathering together. And a lot of people miss that. A lot of people think, well, I can, I can grow, grow close to God on my own, or I can just do this on my own. I mean, I can read my Bible, I can pray. Many people attend Lakeside Baptist Church every week. Y'all know what I'm talking about, you know? Or they go see the Green family every week, all 18 of their children, you know? That's where they worship. Y'all aren't catching this at all, or y'all are just asleep on me this morning, all right? But a lot of people just think, I'm gonna live this for myself and I'm gonna have a relationship with God on my own. And what the word of God tells us is because Jesus Christ is now accessible to each person individually, that's the entire reason why we should not neglect gathering together so that we can love on one another and provoke one another to love and good works in our lives. You see, we kinda get that backwards in our culture today. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he's asked about the greatest commandment, listen to it. It says, teacher, which command in the law is greatest? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. But then continue reading. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. 
So Jesus says, what we're supposed to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the path and the key to life. That's life at its fullest. That's life at its best. You can choose to say, I'm just going to love God with everything that I have, and you're going to miss out on half of life. You're not ever going to experience life to its fullest if you think that you can do it all on your own. You cannot. And you were never intended to be that way. As a matter of fact, I put it this way in your notes. I can't love my neighbor by myself. You just can't do that. You can't go, I'm just going to be over here all by myself and love my neighbor. You can't do that. And so here's what we need to understand, though. We live in a culture, right? Culture pushes independence, but God's word teaches interdependence. Culture pushes independence. And I know it's Mother's Day, but I'm also going to say this, especially to the men. Well, I'm a man. I don't need your help. I can do that on my own. I don't need to call anybody else. I don't have to do that. I can do that. The culture just pushes Independent. That's a self-made person. They just did this all by themselves. Truth is, none of us did anything on our own. That's the truth. We all had someone who taught us, someone who inspired us, someone who encouraged us, someone who helped us along the way. Culture puts this idea out there like independence is the greatest thing ever, but God's word teaches that we're supposed to be interdependent. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Depend on God. Work with others. This is how life to its fullest happens. You see, and that idea sometimes creeps into the church as well, where we think that, well, church, church is just about, you know, they're, they're just doing odd things there, or I don't really have to go to church, or I don't need to be a part of that. And can we just have an honest moment? Church is full of broken people, of which I am the lead broken person, Okay? I'm not a perfect person. You'll find something about me you don't like if you haven't already. Some of you love that I'm wearing pink. Some of you go, real men don't wear pink. Okay, I don't care. I'm wearing pink, all right? I mean, you see what I'm saying? We can all nitpick things to death all the time with other people. But here's the thing that's happened. Because our culture pushes independence, it naturally leads us to where we evaluate things based on this question well, what's in it for me? Because if I'm independent and I'm Lord of my own time and I'm king of the own castle and I do everything based on what I think is best for me in my life at the time, then I'm gonna evaluate everything that I come in contact with based on what's in it for me. And so people approach church going, well, I don't know that I need that because I don't get anything out of it. But here's a little truth about church that you need to understand. We're all here to give. That's the purpose of coming together at church. We're all here to give something. And I know y'all are thinking, okay, let's pass that plate again. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. We're all here to give. We're here to be interdependent. We're here to love on one another, to spur one another on to love and good works. And listen to me, that's where you get life at its fullest. That's where you get life at its best. And so the truth about church is we're all here to give. In Acts, Luke writes these words. He says, in every way I've shown you that it's necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, do you know who understands the truth of it is more blessed to give than to receive? Mature people. Because if you were to talk to teenage Lindell and say, Lindell, it's more blessed to give than receive. And I would say, well, prove it. Why don't you give me some things and you can be blessed? <laughs> because that's just kind of how 
I, I live life, you know, right? But you reach a point, hopefully, in your life that you begin to understand the joy of can't wait to get there to give it. And that's when you start experiencing life at its fullest. You see, Romans, Paul writes it this way. He says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Now, you might want to underline that one. It's underlined in my Bible. Instead, think sensibly. As God has distributed a measure of faith to each one, now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts. If it's prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. We're all here to give. Church is at its best when you're bringing something to the table to go, I'm here for someone else. I'm here to encourage. I'm here to exhort. I'm here to give. I'm here to teach. I'm here to do something for someone else. And let me just tell you a little something. All these families that were lined up here today, moms and dads, are going to understand quickly if they don't already that it takes a village to raise a child, right? And we all need to be able to come alongside them with words of encouragement, exhortation, hope, and help. Some of, some of these moms just need a, a, an older lady to look at them and go, sweetheart, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. You know, it's just a little word of encouragement at times to help them in those things. And this is what we're saying. That's when we experience life at the fullest. When you go, I can't wait to get to church because I have something I'm bringing. But yet our culture presents this idea that, well, I didn't get anything out of that or I didn't like what they said or I didn't like what happened there. So I'm just going to take my personal faith and I'm going to move my personal faith over here and I'm not going to connect with anybody else. I'm just going to keep it personal. And as soon as they say something that personally offends my personal faith, I'm going to take my personal faith and I'm going to personally move it over to this person. And that's the culture that we live in. That's not biblical. We're here to give and to love and to encourage and not to neglect the gathering of one together. The pastor, are you telling me I need to have 100% attendance? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. We all have life. What this is talking about is he says people have gotten in the habit of saying I don't need the other people and so they're, they're gone. We're not talking about the fact that we don't take vacations or we don't live life or we don't go visit other people or things like that. He's saying that people are seeing that it's unimportant to get together but what scripture says is because of what Jesus Christ has done and because we have the ability to go to him personally, then we should never forsake gathering together and being able to encourage one another with that. Let me tell you why. When I share my life with others, the first thing that happens is my life is at its fullest. When I share with others, my life is at its fullest. Ecclesiastes Solomon writes these words, he says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. If either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Again, the word of God teaching us 
that life was never intended to be lived in isolation or on our own, but that we're supposed to experience life at its fullest when we're together with others, gathered together, moving toward the word of God. What do you mean then, Pastor, my life is at its fullest? Well, think about this. When, when you have maybe a great accomplishment or something that's happened in your life that you're excited about, if nobody's around to share that experience with you, think about that. It's like, that's not fun, is it? Or on the opposite end of things, perhaps you're walking through a dark and a difficult time in your life and you really need someone to talk to, but yet we've, we've bought into this lie of independence and we're over here kind of on our own and then you just feel like the whole weight of the world comes on you. Where are you gonna go with that? What God's word is saying is that we need to work to stay connected with one another, even though we're all broken. Can I just, I don't know if I said this already or not, when you preach two sermons, that happens. Can I just tell you honestly, that I could give you a list of people that I've shared my heart and my life with that I wish I could take it back. And we're all gonna have those moments as we seek to live life together. And there's gonna be some people that we come across that end up not necessarily being trustworthy of living life together with, but that shouldn't rob you from still doing this because our trust is in the Lord, not in those people anyway. And if God's word tells me that the way that I'm gonna experience life to its fullest, is by living it in relationship with other people, in groups of people who are striving to follow God's word, then that's what I should be doing, even when you come across someone who may hurt you at some point in time. Life is still gonna be at its fullest when it's shared. The other thing that's gonna happen, when I share life with others, my experience is multiplied. My experience is absolutely multiplied. Proverbs 15:22 says, plans fail when there's no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Can I just tell you something? There's nothing like getting to a point in life or working on a project or something where you go, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And having a group of people that you can go, does anybody have any ideas? Can somebody help me with this? Has anybody ever done this before? Do you know how to, how to do this? Can you help me walk through this? And it can be as something as simple as a project around the house, or it can be as something as complicated as raising children or living out life. You know, but another thing where your experience is multiplied, I go back to, to when you share those great experiences together. You know, hopefully we multiplied the joy for these parents today who are coming and bringing these children that they're dedicating to the Lord. And hopefully their experience in life was multiplied knowing that they have a church family that's behind them, rooting for them and supporting them in that. You don't get that when you live life on your own. Or have you ever met that person who actually is more excited about your accomplishments than you are? Those are some fun people to be around. When I have something that happens in my life and I'm having to tell other people, settle down, it's okay. I mean, you just wanna be around those people where they just multiply your experience because they're so excited for you of what's going on. Again, you don't experience that on your own. And then the other thing that happens, as I've already said, my burden is lighter. My, my burden gets lighter. I don't feel so overwhelmed like I'm the only one left to figure this out or to walk this road. Can, can I tell you something? I know every time I'm in a, in a group of people that there is, there is a lie that comes from Satan 
There's a lie that comes from the enemy of God that works in every one of our lives that it, it could be anything that's going on in your life that you're struggling with. And this is the lie that he always tries to convince us with is that you're the only one that's ever gone through that. When the truth is, there's probably 10 other people in this room at least who are going through something similar at the same time. And when we live life together, when we share life together, come together in a group and carry each other bur other's burdens and pray for one another and spur one another on to love and to good works, then you begin to realize, I'm not in this alone. And you begin to come around people who you can, who you can talk to and who can help you, and they can carry that burden that's on your heart. And this is the great thing. Galatians 6.2 says it real plainly, carry one another's burdens in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. If I were to paraphrase that and put it in the context of what we've been talking about in this sermon series, I would say it this way. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you live out what the Bible says. You want to live out what the Bible says, you're going to do that because you're carrying one another's burdens. That you're helping one another out. That you're helping people realize they are not in this alone. And so I pray that you know the joy of living life together in a group. And you may be single and you may be married. You can still live life together. You may live on your own or you may live in a room full of people. You can still experience life together. And so what God's word teaches us is that we need to surround ourselves with people who are striving to live out his word as well, and we can spur those people on. And even though God has done everything through the person of Jesus Christ so that we can go directly to him, that is all the more reason why we shouldn't neglect gathering together and spurring each other on, be involved in people's lives, take that step of faith to encourage someone. And so I just close with this question. Who am I choosing to share life with? Who am I choosing to share life with? And only you can answer this question. Are you working overtime to just kind of be as disconnected as possible? And just, well, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to burden them. I'm going to stay away from that. Can I just tell you God's intention is that you get involved in the lives of other people now. There's a whole other sermon about how to do that properly, but I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead on that one and tell you that we don't butt into people's lives, but we should be working to be involved, to be a love and an encouragement to those that are around us. And we should approach these things as I have something that I can give to help others. And when we do that, then you will experience what it is to live life to its fullest. I've said it all along this sermon series. A lot of the simple truths that God gives us in his word are counter-cultural for sure, but a lot of times they're counterintuitive as well. We think, well, how would this work? This just seems too simple. But I pray that who are walking with you, of walking in your faith with Christ alongside other people who are walking with you and helping you live life to its fullest.